Welcome to the fifth episode of Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. And I'm Dan. And today we're going to be talking about the third campaign to appear in Arkham Horror, The Forgotten Age. No specific packs or anything, just more of an overall talk about the flavor and mechanics and our opinion of each of the scenarios and things. It's uh, it's going to be a wide-ranging discussion on the issues and topics that our readers want to hear about. And by readers, I mean listeners. <laughs> exactly. So kind of what we wanted to do was was bring uh bring ourselves and the listeners up to speed with the forgotten age so far uh not that we're assuming that you haven't played it because i'm sure you guys are all enjoying it but um we kind of just wanted to go over uh what makes the forgotten age just so darn special that's a that's an interesting choice of words dane <laughs> so we kind of wanted to start off um, by saying when we when we initially uh, heard about the Forgotten Age, I think everybody's reaction was to be super excited, right? Everybody was very very happy about going into the jungle and and kind of living the Indiana Jones dream, right? I mean, this is actually sort of hard to figure out because you are incredibly excited about everything that has to do with this game immediately. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it sounded like a cool idea, like uh, you know. Uh, kind of lost world exploration uh, pulp tropes the indiana jones thing that's all great stuff yeah absolutely so there's this kind of like wonder and this mystique that you get from um from all those kinds of uh movies like indiana jones and 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 all that kind of stuff um this kind of like disregard this kind of freedom this kind of uh interesting wonder almost like a manifest destiny kind of thing i guess right like kind of like out in the wilds kind of a thing i i guess i, don't know. <laughs> I just but in I reality mean, you know like temples are cool golden idols are cool traps are cool uh you know like cursed mummies are cool all that stuff is cool yeah absolutely i mean i think that what what the set represents for Arkham is really cool. Um, that they went, I, so they went straight from kind of like um, very very sort of generic Lovecraft uh, settings to the Forgotten Age, which I don't think anybody was really expecting. Uh, some people were like positing Egypt. Some people were positing like uh, Antarctica for like you know the Mountains of Madness kind of thing. Um, but nobody was really expecting it to to get into the jungle like right away. And so I think that's kind of like what kind of put people off of their uh, their, their rockers, my rocker anyway, and I was pretty excited for it. Um, well, I mean, I, I mostly agree with what you're saying, but I do just want to point out that, I mean, the, the whole Carcosa thing actually is sort of a, a fair step outside of the kind of like classical Lovecraft mythos. I mean, it's it's been kind of folded into that, but it was originally, you know, the Yellow King originally by, uh, by, by Chambers, a different author, sort of, you know, ended up being you know, collapsed into the Lovecraft mythos, but it's kind of a different thing that we weren't really fighting tentacle monsters or anything. Um, there weren't even really cultists. Right. So I don't know. I mean, but yes, I know. if Carcosa was a little bit of a step outside, this is definitely more of a, more of a branching out. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so when we got here, right, when we opened up the, the, the box, we looked at the player cards um we looked at the encounter cards. We decided to start setting everything up. What was your reaction, Dan? Uh, so I think my first reaction was as they were sort of gradually revealing the investigators that were in the box, that they were not hugely exciting to me. Um, Ursula ended up sure. being pretty good. Most of the other ones I was not super hyped about, but even if, uh, I mean, I, not all the investigators need to be appealing to me. There's already enough in the game you know that that's much less important i think than how the campaign ends up turning out to play and what how interesting it is yeah i agree i agree i i think uh we were we're all kind of underwhelmed like i think that there are some investigators that have been released that have pushed the envelope and have just succeeded in a lot of good ways right like you've got like daisy who's really really strong uh you've got mark who's really really strong both of them have like five in their in their stats and i think that honestly every every set every investigator i see gets released i hope that there's a five somewhere you know like and i know i know they have to be careful about that kind of thing right with balancing and all that but but anyways um yeah and, and so we the, have 
Sorry, we have seen some mm. investigators like Rex be good even without having a five in their primary stat. Yeah, but, or, yeah. or even Ursula has a four, right? But it takes exactly. a, it takes yeah. they those both have a very powerful ability and access to a very good card pool. So it takes right. sort of right. probably both of those things to compensate. Right, and there's another investigator in there who's a seeker-ish person that is also good, um, if not for a. Very crippling deficit, but we can talk about all that kind of stuff later. Um, so regarding kind of the investigators, a whole out of the box, there was just a lot of sort of, uh, I just, I just didn't really know how to feel about them. And then I played them and ended up loving Ursula. Ursula is my favorite investigator now. Um, I always want to play as Ursula now. I, I love being a race car. That's how I feel when I play her. I, I feel like I just put on some rocket boots and, and slide across everything. Um, fast pumping Euro beats playing. Uh, it's, it's great. I, I don't know. I, I remember when you were about this excited about Norman, like, I mean, you know, you're, you, you, you live fast. You, you, you fly, you fly hard. You, you get, you, you try a new investigator <laughs> out and you're like, oh, Dear, it's the best you ever. Norman, when we're talking about fun, exciting brace car investigators, yeah, he's I, an old man. Do you know how much agility he has? He has zero, one agility. He might as well have zero agility. Dan. He's, an, he's an old man. I don't know what to tell he's you. A, he, he's an old. He's got great stats. On, uh, I I, I do. I have to stick it up there for my fellow uh, probably uh, PhD and all around uh, knowledgeable guy. Though you know respect. Sure, sure. So so kind of thinking about the investigators, we weren't totally sure on what to think. Um, but as we kind of got into the scenario, um, I think I, I waited it into the, into the Forgotten Age, um, not with you initially. Um, I had kind of a different take on the first couple scenarios and then, um, you kind of had a different, different, uh, I guess, initial, uh, reaction. Yeah. I mean, we, um, I, I played through, uh, the first couple scenarios pretty soon after I came out with a couple friends. Uh, we, we were not really very, we did not really enjoy the Untamed Wilds very much. We thought it was, uh, really punishing and kind of not that fun. And it was just sort of seemed like there were a lot of issues with it. Um, I don't know. What, what was your first experience with it like? So I, I, um, I was expecting it to be an introductory, right? Like a lot of these, um, like the Dunwich, uh, the, the, the casino and the, um, university both kind of can, can, you can interchangeably play them. Um, not necessarily introducing somebody to the game, but I think that you can take a relatively new person to the game and they can kind of, um, deal with what's going on, understand what's happening, um and and kind of push through right um same thing with carcosa uh, more, curtain call more or less i think that um yeah. the house always wins is a little bit weird because there's like enemies that are aloof that you don't fight but they're only aloof because sure, of text sure. on, the, on the agenda card it's a little yeah. weird it definitely for newer players it makes more sense to start with um the whatever the other one is um but no, and Kurt, Curtain Call also, like, Curtain Call I think is really good. I think it is a good introduction to the game. I, I know you don't like it quite as much as I do, but, you know, the first Carcosa scenario is, is definitely good. Yeah, so, like, all of these, when I was when I came into the first scenario, uh, the Untamed Rounds, I was expecting that introduction. I was expecting that, um, um, not easy, but just sort of like an introduction to mechanics, an introduction to, like, what's what's going to be happening with the supply mechanic, right? Like, because that was one of the first things that I was really excited about when I when we first opened the book. I was like, oh, man, we get to we get to select all these different, um, uh, you know, supplies to take with us. And they'll they'll probably uh, grant us like different boons in different ways. They'll kind of help us out as we explore. And maybe like you can uh, you can help get some help for some enemies or, or get some specific allies if you if you have a specific gear um none of that turned out to be the case unfortunately anyway anyway in the first in the first couple um and it, it turned out to be a little bit of a letdown um upon the first playthrough and then it kind of once you play through with uh with a couple investigators the first time i didn't really know what to think um so kind of going into the doom of Edsley. We, uh, that was kind of more of the Indiana Jones thing, right? That's more of like the, uh, oh, you're going into a temple and you're stealing something off that altar and that boulder is going to come straight down and you're going to know it, right? Yeah, it it is kind of like that. Um, and yeah, yeah. I, I think just going back to the Untamed, Untamed Wilds really quickly, I think it was a combination of having a fairly punishing encounter deck 
being kind of dropped right into the middle of the new mechanics, having a minus five instead of a minus four in the chaos bag for standard, which is a first time for that, I believe. And uh, kind of all <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Kind of all that stuff put together um, along with just the general way things are going. It really felt pretty punishing for a first time run through, which, you know, maybe isn't necessarily terrible, but um, we weren't really very we weren't very happy with it. Yeah, so I think I I tend to take a little longer with the scenarios than you do. Um, I I like to read all the flavor on each of the cards, kind of getting immersed in it. And I definitely think so. Going back to kind of what we were talking about earlier with the wonder and the mystique of the rainforest and and the the, the wilds and and Mesoamerica and stuff, um, definitely took the more in real life mosquitoes the size of footballs kind of like uh you know like approach right like the, like the rainforest like is beautiful in pictures in in national geographic you know photographs with gibbons flying through the air and and uh leaves the size of your body and you know what i mean like that kind of stuff this is not that at all this is like like somebody drops you off from a taxi in the middle of nowhere and you, ha- it's like that show Naked and Afraid, you know, it's like you have to, you, you're struggling the entire way. At least that's my experience. Like there's, there's like, um, arrows in the trees that are just going to like destroy you if you have any less than seven health. And I think that that's kind of something they definitely had in mind with the investigators that came here, right? Like all of them pretty much have equal stats, uh, like seven and seven, or at least like six and eight, you know, like none of them have five. And I think that. There's just so much more damage, which I kind of was expecting and hoping for because it's it's in the jungle, right? Like, I was hoping that there'd be a lot more physicality to having to deal with everything. But, like, there's just so much introduced in that first scenario. You've got the supply mechanic. You've got the poison mechanic. You've got um, the vengeance mechanic. You've got... Um, uh, you've got like uh, the explore mechanic, right? You've got all of these different systems that are added to the game in the first scenario. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that I don't think it's the same introduction that the other three uh, scenarios introduce, right? Like obviously the, the core set, you can kind of just play right out of the box and it's the best uh, scenario ever. And then the other two, you have um, uh, pretty... Not too hard to understand. I agree with you that the the the, the house uh, always wins is kind of tough, but um, otherwise, like it's not too too bad. I just think uh, I think that throwing us in all those mechanics right off the bat probably could have worked if the mechanics themselves had worked better, and that's hmm. probably something we're going to talk about in the future. But we, I, I think, most of those mechanics feel like kind of a miss, or at least kind of a could have been maybe done differently in a way that we would have appreciated more. Um, but yeah, I, I just think the Untamed Wilds, um, you know, it, it's trying to set the tone for the whole campaign. And that tone is sort of like very punishing. Um, you're getting hit by a lot of encounter cards that feel like they can't really be avoided. You don't get a test like Arrows in the Trees. Just something terrible happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, cause it, like, look at Arrows in the Trees just as just as a quick example. It's, it's either you take two damage or uh, you kill an ally. Am I thinking of the right card? No, so you're thinking of the snake bite where you immediately oh, get yeah, poisoned yeah. or 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 kill an ally basically. It's d5 yeah. damage I think to an ally, which like no ally can survive right now. Right. So it's arrows in the trees is just the straight up uh you take Two damage. Yeah, well you take one isn't it one plus the number of allies you have or something? Or yes. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's just it's really tough to have um it's really tough to have encounter cards where you don't even get a test, you don't even get some way to mitigate them. They kind of just happen. That kind of feels bad. Um, similarly, oh, and it also hits other people if they're at ancient locations, right? Uh, so that's kind of rough too. And then uh, does it really? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, maybe you know, sometimes there's I not going to be anybody at ancient locations, but sometimes there will be. So that's kind of rough. There's also just similar things. So ancient evils is a pretty defining card in the game. Like it's you know it it really. Uh, has a big impact. Everybody who's played the game for a little bit has probably seen it and recognizes it. So, uh, mm-hmm. by the way, that is, that's in the untamed wilds and it keeps getting shuffled back into the deck over and over again. And it's just, Oh yes, of, it, it does. It adds a lot of variance for how much time you actually have to complete it. Um, later in the campaign, one thing they seem to do that's kind of neat is instead of putting in ancient evils, they kind of make like different variants of ancient evils that have a similar effect. Yeah. Have some kind of an extra spin on them. Definitely. So, um, 
in uh you know which which, which is kind of cool like that's an interesting way to do it um hmm. but the issue with that is uh, a lot of them they kind of stick peril on them uh, as a as a keyword which has the effect of uh you know disabling the best card in the game uh level two ward from kind of helping your friends by warding their ancient evils so yeah, yeah there's yeah, just a lot of things sure. that come together to make it really feel um very very punishing yeah and i think part of that too um uh, i don't want to call it um like a blunder but i feel like there there wasn't maybe there wasn't consideration given to the amount of time it takes to set all of this stuff up because you are introducing a, a an entirely new deck right you're entire you're introducing the exploration deck which i was fine with right upon setup i don't mind setting up another deck with with specific cards that you kind of have to fish through um but introducing that with supplies again with with um uh, vengeance and with all of this stuff together was kind of an overload in that first scenario. And then it kind of didn't let up. Um, there were even more mechanics that were introduced, even in the second one, when uh, doom is kind of just left on locations and you have a higher doom threshold in total, but like it doesn't, it, it kind of cancels each other out. And sometimes you just get way unlucky and you get so much doom on, on, uh, uh rooms and you just can't deal with it i mean i like the theme i like that that you know the the traps are, are kind of getting more intense the walls are closing in kind of a thing in the indiana jones one uh but i i kind of felt the same way it was very very punishing um albeit the the art everything aesthetically is beautiful about it i think uh... i think this is definitely some of the nicest art um I think next to uh, Carcosa, having that really cool yellowy white kind of theme. I'm, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna hard disagree with you there. I think that a lot of the like the landscapes and backgrounds are great as they pretty much always are, but a lot of the monsters are very ugly looking snakes that have a very weird art style to them. Um, well, that's the point though. It's only snakes. Like <laughs> it's it's only snakes, and then you've got like pitfalls and 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 uh, yeah yeah. Hell yeah! You got you, you. You turn into snakes. Your items turn into snakes. There's yep. There's a there's a snakes. lot of there's a lot of snakes. There's a lot of snakes that have vengeance on them. There's a lot of snakes that have three health, which is a very annoying amount of health for them to have. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Yeah, there's a there's a it's lot. It's kind of, of a weird, arbitrary decision. Like, let's make everything extremely hard to kill with a machete. They definitely which... they they definitely kind of most of the other campaigns would have like ghouls that are like two two fight two health or something that are kind of somebody has to deal with them. You you want to have somebody that has like a machete out to kill them or something, but they're not a huge obstacle that you really need to plan ahead and think about. Pretty yeah. much all the enemies in this campaign almost have been have something going on where it's like this is really a problem we really have to work hard to deal with this yeah going back to what you're saying about the setup though i think that most of the campaigns you know the the further into the campaign you get the more complicated the setup gets because they're sort of branching and stuff it's funny if you go back now and you play like extracurricular activity you play some of the original early scenarios and they're very simple to set up it's just here's what goes in the encounter deck shuffle it and go um and forgotten age it really just always seems like there's a ton of stuff happening partly it's the supply (laughs) there's always a prelude that's like oh do you have gasoline and then this happens oh no you didn't bring blankets Uh uh-oh like (laughs) there's a long list of stuff you have to read before for that there's also as you mentioned setting up the exploration deck it just really seems like there's a ton of stuff that needs to happen before you get started which would be fine if it was like a couple of scenarios like that but when it's just about the whole campaign it starts to kind of feel bad a little bit I've heard some from some uh, friends too who who play. Um, they feel similarly about about the way that uh, poison works. Um, so poison is another mechanic that was introduced. That is, I think, in every set, right? Um, except for so threads of fate, we kind of t- get a little uh, get a little bit of a breather uh, from the from the crazy sweltering hot uh, snake ridden jungle, um, but. Everywhere else, there is this poison mechanic, which basically says it makes everything a lot worse. And and I'm fine. I actually, so kind of upon review, I actually really like the poison mechanic, just not necessarily the way that it's implemented. Um, and I think that what I'm what what I'm trying to get at is the way you get poison is very binary, right? Like either either you uh, so so for example, the treachery called snake bite. 
Um, Revelation tests three foot. If you fail, you must either deal five damage to an ally or take one direct damage. And then if you're not poisoned, you put the poison weakness into play. So that means you're poisoned. And unless you've taken the medicine spoilers, um, you can't heal it at specific arbitrarily decided times in the interludes and things. Um, the other way you get it also is uh, from enemies, right? Like you've got – so th- I think the the closest thing we've got to regular ghoul minion is this guy Pit Viper. He's got three strength, one health, three uh, agility. Not bad, right? Not not nearly bad, right? Like Agnes could ping him, for example, with, with her uh, taking a horror. Not too bad. However, he's got vengeance one, so you're damned if you do. Uh, and then if he deals you damage from its attack, which only does one – uh, one point of uh, health. Um, if you're not poisoned, you immediately become poisoned. So like it kind of, so the Forgotten Age actually does something really well, which is kind of, it diverges, it, it has you diverge from the, the typical uh, seeker guardian mindset where like, okay, am I investigating? No, then I'm killing something, right? Or, or, or he's, my, my, my buddy's killing something for me. And I'm investigating. So now it introduces like, okay, so both of those things, like both trying to kill it immediately and uh, not having to deal with it. You know, like sometimes you can take a swarm of rats and kind of carry it around with you for a little while if, if there's something specific you're trying to do. This is not that at all. You do not want to get poisoned and you don't really want to have vengeance. It's not nearly as punishing. I think vengeance one is kind of like low on the on the spook spookometer. But <laughs> but um. It can definitely get there, and they introduce dodging as a way to deal with enemies with vengeance, right? Because he doesn't have Hunter, this this little snake guy here. So it's not nearly as much of a deal if you can just kind of dodge him and then leave him in, leave him in a, a location just kind of hang out for a while, right? Yeah, no, and I, I agree with what you're saying about poison. So the idea that there's a poison weakness is, is, is fine – it's very frustrating that even if you take the medicine as part of your supplies, which we'll talk about later, you are very limited in when you can actually use them. So I could maybe understand not being able to use it mid-scenario because you're you know, running away from a thing and you're busy, you don't have time. Maybe it takes a couple hours to apply the antidote, but it's just really stupid that in some – you only have certain opportunities between some of the scenarios to use the medicine that you have to get rid of a poison weakness. Like that's really annoying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, kind of in the first scenario, like, even aside all this snake madness, right? Like, you're, you're, uh, entrenched in snakes, and you're, there's, um, the Untamed Wilds is, is, uh, what, what's it called? I'm sorry, the, uh, Lost in the Wilds, right? Like, you can't, yeah. So they put this mechanic in Explore. Uh, actually, yeah, let's, let's go through and, and talk about the mechanics, um, the new mechanics in this one. Starting with Explore. So Explore is a mechanic where most of the locations in a scenario, instead of being on the board from the beginning, are in a deck called the Explore deck or the Exploration deck. And you have an action that you can take that's usually printed on the the, the cards, the, the location cards, which you do some kind of test or you meet some kind of requirement and you get to reveal cards from the top of the Exploration deck until you find one that matches the destinations that are reachable from your current location. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and if and if you find that, then you put it into play and you move there. And if you in, what you might find instead is there's also a few treacheries mixed into the exploration deck. And if you find one of those instead, then you have to draw it and resolve it and then stop exploring. Yeah, and that's that's notably a failed exploration, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you can succeed or fail. And it's sort of meant to, uh, it, you know, it's meant to kind of show that you're you're trying to figure out where to go and you might screw up and, and get lost. Like the treacheries that they have you put in the exploration right. deck are usually bad things that could happen to you as you're wandering around the jungle, like getting lost or getting attacked by a million snakes or whatever, <laughs> right? Which will happen yeah, multiple oh yeah, times. For sure. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's kind of an interesting mechanic. I think that, uh, so... One thing that's kind of bad about it is it's sort of a little bit hard to understand. Not at first. Like, the rules are fairly straightforward originally. Um, yeah, yeah. But then later on when they do, like, different versions of Explore in some of the other scenarios, like Boundary Beyond, um, it becomes kind of confusing. Like, well, wait a minute. What is What does the Explore word actually mean? 
like what is a, a inherent feature of exploring and what is like determined by the specific scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah, because you were saying the Boundary Beyond does that. And that really confused me too. Um, well, mainly because there's just a lot of moving parts with an Explore deck too, right? Because it's essentially an entire another deck that you're setting up. Um, and not that that's inherently a bad thing, but it's it's additional setup. Um, so some people might say, oh, you know, that it's already got a lot of setup. Um, I'm playing this because I don't want to play Arkham Horror, and which or the the board game which has a ton of tiny parts and things. Um, yeah, and I think it's. I mean, it, so you do have to make an, another deck when you're setting up. You'd have to shuffle another deck and pick out specific encounter cards. So it does increase the complexity of that yeah. a little bit. The thing that's frustrating to me is this is. I think this is a good idea for a mechanic, but the problem is that they kind mm, of already they already did a better version of this in uh, in Carcosa. In what was the scenario again? The uh, the pallid mask, where you were in the catacombs and you were sort of whenever you moved to a new location, you would sort of discover a couple others that were adjacent to it, and you were revealing the map as you went yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a couple variations on this kind of thing, right? Like they had the uh, the train where you had to discard a specific set of things, or they had things where like, oh, you can't come here unless you have a specific number of clues, and they were all face down, you know, until that point. That's really linear, though. That's not really like exploring yeah, different yeah. directions. But oh, sure, sure, not, sure. yeah, like moving like parts the, kind of a thing. To me, the, the pallid massing just seems like a better version of what explore actually is, um, because there's just a lot of there's a kind of a lot of complications and confusion that comes along with this. One is that it's sort of hard to figure out the geometry of the scenario or, and how things connect because you don't get to sort of see most of it from the beginning. Things just keep coming out, and you're always saying like, "Oh, well, we haven't found the red square yet. Where's that?" Um, yeah, exactly. I think it just kind of feels bad when you don't have a, a thing that connects to your thing and you're like, well, the odds of getting something bad are much greater now, you know, cause there's like one, car- I think there's like somewhere between 10 and 15 cards in the, in the explore deck at any given time. And like when you, you draw one and you're like, okay, uh, oh great. It's location. I'm not taking damage or, you know, like being horrified at something. And then you realize it's not connected anywhere and you're like, oh. Or it's connected to somewhere that you're adjacent to, but you still can't put it into play because you're not there. And you're like, oh, I don't know how this flavorfully works because I can see it way over there. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And also, I mean, so there's one uh, encounter set, which is just made up of locations that usually go to an explore deck whenever you're looking around in the jungle, which is used in the first scenario, the Untamed Wilds, and it's used again in um, Heart of the Elders, I think. Or one of the other ones. So it feels kind of samey that you kind of keep seeing the same locations pop up several times, which is also... Yes. Yeah, that's a very I, good I mean, point, and too. None of, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, like, none of these things is a deal breaker in and of itself. Like, it's not like this is a terrible mechanic, but it just feels kind of like a miss. It feels like it was trying to be kind of this key feature of the campaign is that you're exploring the jungle and here's the bad things that could happen to you. And it, it just doesn't really quite work out to be as cool or interesting as I think it would need to be. I think that is a solid is analysis. That, is, is that fair? Yeah, I think it's okay. a solid analysis. You know, like they introduce some things that interact with uh, Explore, right? Like some of the allies that you can pick up, like Alejandro, or like there's a journal that you get eventually somewhere that kind of help you with, oh, okay, so you get an extra action, but it's only for exploring. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're Daisy and you've got your book thing already, you kind of get an extra action on top of that. Um, and... That kind of thing is really beneficial, but it almost kind of seems like a stretch anyways when it feels bad most of the time that you're exploring. You know, like you've got exactly one card out of 12 or or maybe, you know, like two or three cards out of 12 that you want to hit. Otherwise, you're probably just going to fail it or, you know, fail it. Yeah, it also kind of turns something that maybe wasn't originally something that you really think about in the game was looking at the different symbols that are available at the bottom of a location and saying like, oh, how many places are eventually going to connect to this and trying to sort of like predict how many there are and where they are. Uh, that kind of becomes like an essential part of the game because you have to know, yeah, like, well, it doesn't make sense point. to explore from here. We've already found right. everything. That's a very good point. We actually. should explore from here instead. Right, right, yeah. right. But I think that that's also kind of important too, though. That's flavorfully important anyways, right? Because, like, if you're in the jungle, you're going to be like, okay, so there's a cliff here. We better go back to the main path because logically there's most, you know, kind of things connecting there. So I get I get that part, and I think that's kind of cool now that you mention it anyway. Yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe maybe that's, like, a feature, not a bug. I could, I could see that. <laughs> um, but uh, – so, so that's explore. Um, so the, one of the other, the other main mechanics, so one of them is called supplies or supply. So do, do you want to explain how this one works? 
Yeah, so supplies, uh, when before you go to the, to the uh, depths of the Mexican jungle or the Mesoamerican jungle, you, uh, you encounter um, this, this text in front of you when you're kind of reading all the flavor and stuff like that. And it says, hey, investigators, you get to pick a bunch of cool items to take with you into the jungle. And there's like a whole little system, like there's a whole little mini system where, okay, so if there's this many investigators, you get to take this amount of points. Um, and each of these items are worth a specific amount of points. So for example, if you're playing with a certain amount of investigators, you get six experience each investigator or six uh, supply points per investigator. And each investigator is like, oh, great, I can take, you know, I'll take the compass. Uh, you know, Bob, you take the pickaxe and... Uh, Dan, you take the chalk. You just take six pieces of chalk, and we're going into uh, this. Chalk is <laughs> chalk is by far the most useful item to have yes. in the jungle because yes. if you run out of all of your rations, what else are you going to eat? Right, you're going to have to eat chalk. It's emergency rations. It's a weapon. It's locational. It's you can and write maybe math you'll, down with maybe it. Maybe you'll right? eat so much of it that you'll you'll learn to enjoy the taste, and then you'll just be a you'll just be eating chalk for the rest of your life. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, anyways, yeah. This this uh, whole mechanic is um, is centered around kind of like giving you some extra cool things to bring with you in the jungle, um, and kind of how it's how it how it works is that um, when you go into the jungle, when you actually start the campaign and flip over the tiles and things like that, um, the, you're confronted with some actions that will say, okay, so check check your supplies. If an investigator has the map you may do a, a specific action, right? Like something special that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Um, or sometimes it'll say at the end, like the resolution of, of, a, uh, of a campaign, it will say, check the supplies. If you have medicine, you can, uh, you know, get rid of a poison or something like that. And that's, yeah, that's one, cool. one side effect of this is that there are usually, there's usually a huge pile of questions and things you have to check the campaign log for at the beginning or end of most of the scenarios like oh did yeah. anybody bring a canteen oh no that's bad well i guess you all take a trauma or oh did anybody but y'all y'all brought blankets right no oh boy more trauma like <laughs> that just kind of happens a lot so that's kind of like what i wanted to circle around to because i think again in theory the mechanic is really cool i like the idea when i when i saw yeah. this mechanic first kind of printed i was like oh man i get to like you know i get to i get to grab additional things right as somebody who loves getting experience and figuring out ways to uh to spend it different different items to take with you and stuff like that this is kind of cool because it adds another layer of of uh experience kind of driven thing like oh i get to pick these things out and hopefully they'll they'll do me well because you you would kind of think that okay i'm approaching a jungle what do i need to take all right i need to take a water canteen right because we're gonna run out oh i need food i need uh you know uh medicine i need all this kinds of stuff um to get through the jungle without dying or falling incredibly ill or you know etc so but but it feels like this stuff is not expensive even in the 1920s, like chalk or whatever, right? Like it feels like any reasonably, you know, adequately outfitted expedition should be able to bring like chalk and rope without but running out of money or There is a disclaimer, whatever, right? Yeah. At the beginning of the first scenario, when you're choosing your – before you kind of choose your supplies, it says, oh, well, listen, Arkham doesn't have – a wealth of resources to take with you. Dumb, and this is kind of dumb. a last they, minute they thing. can afford chalk, man. This is kind of <laughs> right. So they, they can they can afford rope. Yeah, They've come come on. I've, I've worked chalk, man. I've I've worked at a public university. You can afford like chalk and rope. Right? Like <laughs> this is no. This it's, is it's the just, 1920s, it, Dan. Maybe chalk is it, a hot it feels, commodity. It feels like a really crazy artificial limitation, and it also feels like hmm. that you you can't really. There's no way of predicting what the things are going to be useful for. Like you, you say, "Oh, well, I should bring rope because maybe I'll need to use it to like cross a, 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 a you know, a hole in the ground or something." But, but that you might out, not no, even actually... encounter the second time through, right? Like yeah, sometimes you might just... counter it and say, "Oh, okay." Yeah, I mean, the the thing that's really frustrating about this is the first time you play the game, you have basically no way of knowing which what the effects of each item are. So you kind of have to just pick more or less randomly. You can try to guess like, oh, maybe I'll need to use this for this. But it's what the items are actually used for in the game is not really very strongly connected to what they would be used for in real life. So you're kind of just, you know, just 
grasping at straws. And then after you've played it once and you've seen what happens, every subsequent time that you play this campaign, it's pretty obvious what the correct loadout is and it's pretty obvious what supplies you should take. And at that point, it might as well just not even be a part of the game at all because it's just really uninteresting. That's my gripe with it. I think that for me – I'm completely the opposite from you. I think that when I saw those supplies, I'm like, oh, man, I want to try and figure out beforehand what the best supplies are to take. Maybe it's just kind of naivety. Maybe I don't know. But, like, I really enjoy the fact that, okay, so uh, I can kind of figure out what I need to take. I think I know that, like, what would a game like this want me to take, right? So there's kind of like that that element for me that I really liked. Um, and I, I know that other people like that too. And I know that other people didn't really care for it similarly uh you know to you but i think that the the majority from what i hear um when you kind of know what's going to happen you're like okay so i could take the canteen and when i visit the specific place i get three health instead of one and that's really good kind of you know if you're taking a lot of damage or whatever or if you have a small health pool but if you don't have a bedroll you're just going to take a physical trauma (laughs) Like no yeah, matter who you are, a lot worse. no matter where yeah. you are, no matter what yeah. else you took, you better take a bedroll or you take a physical trauma. And it's like, oh, I guess I take a bedroll every time. And then you watch your supply points that could be spent on cool things that do like different story things or could have been used to like help uh, reduce damage from monsters or, or, you you know, if you have the pickaxe, you, you know, have a passive bonus against fighting monsters or something stupid like, you know, like something interesting, stupid, whatever. But yeah, they're just there. I just don't think there should be mechanics that are so that are so different in the way that you interact with them the first time you play them when you have no information versus later times when you have more information, because the first time it's just completely a shot in the dark. And every subsequent time, it's like pretty obvious what the right stuff is. And that's yeah, uh, but that's this, like the heart this of this just game, feels, right? Yeah, it, it just feels like another miss kind of like explore. It feels like this could have been something cool, but the way that it's implemented doesn't really doesn't really do it for me. Yeah, and for me, it's kind of just, like, um, benign because, okay, now I know what to take. You know, it's, like, it's not really interesting to me anymore. It's kind of lost its mistake because it's, like, okay, you take a bedroll every time. You take this every time. Take this every time. Somebody um, has to get binoculars. Or, yeah. yeah. Basically avoid all the trauma. You, this, these are the things you need to take, and then you've got this amount of whatever to, to kind of in excess. Um, yeah, it's it's not horrible, but it's like exploration. It's one more thing to do when you're setting up the scenario, right? It's like And I get – like when we were talking earlier about, okay, so what are we talking about? The wonder and mystique of the jungle, right? Like there is definitely a wonder and mystique to the jungle. The art is beautiful. There's creepy snake guys all going all around you. There's these like um, interesting natives that are here that are shooting you with constantly with arrows from the trees, <laughs> but otherwise kind of cool, I guess. But then there's the actual in real life. Well, I'm in the jungle and I need to survive. I have like almost no supplies. And if they're going for, like, absolutely being miserable because you have no supplies, they nailed it. Because, <laughs> boy, are these investigators miserable getting shot in the when, – when you're not, like, getting – like, fighting off monsters or, or uh, snakes, snake monsters, you're getting shot in the face with arrows. And when you're not getting shot in the face with arrows, you're getting poisoned. And when you're not getting poisoned, you're checking your supplies to make sure that you have something specific or else you take – trauma or and or like oh you only brought one jug of gasoline oh i guess you can't mulligan in this one oh right. you brought a ton, a ton of poison antidotes oh too bad uh for some reason there's not an opportunity to use them even though you're poisoned you know yeah, well that yeah that was that was a specific uh specific and and i think uh hard well-earned gripe or um you know very well posited gripe anyways i don't know but but i i yeah i, I think that all of these mechanics exist the fact that they do exist is great because I think that they're cool, thematic. Just the way that these these so far have played out is not very good for, for, for me anyways. I know that there are some people who love this scenario and think that these mechanics are awesome and they love playing through that and all the power to you guys. You know, like I, I love this game as much as you do. Those people should uh, go outside and read books <laughs> and uh, do other stuff because uh... – no, I don't know. I was expecting um, you to have them like take a trip to the Mexican jungle with like <laughs> a bunch of chalk. Yeah. No. I, hey, I mean chalk. Yeah. I, all I'm saying is don't don't sleep on chalk. Chalk is like buy invest in chalk. 
buy low, sell high. Chalk is <laughs> chalk is the future. That's what I think. Um, chalk is the future. It is. It is. Um, so that was uh, so that was supplies, and the other major mechanic is vengeance, which we talked about a little bit. This yeah, is the thing yeah. where where some enemies have vengeance some number printed on them instead of victory. And it's you don't want them to go to the victory display because there's some things that trigger off of how much vengeance is in the victory display and it gets worse for every point of vengeance. Right. It's kinda of like reverse victory, right? A little bit, yeah. And at the That's end a takeaway of takeaway experience, but yeah, at which is yeah, and at the end of each scenario, uh, or most scenarios, you add whatever vengeance is in the victory display to this kind of ongoing counter called Yig's Fury. And then there's some things that are kind of campaign wide that get worse, the more Yig's Fury you have. So I don't know, this is like kind of interesting. It gives you a reason to not want to kill monsters, which is cool, I guess. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's fine. I don't really think it's great, but it's, it changes the game up a little bit, which is interesting and necessary. Yeah, I think it introduces, like, I was talking, you know, a little while ago when we were saying that um, all of the investig, like, kind of introducing the investigators and things, um, it introduces a new kind of, like, way to approach a scenario where you have, okay, your typical guardian seeker meta where kill, 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 clue, clue, clue. Suddenly, it's kind of not good to do that. And because you've got these guys who have like two vengeance or one vengeance and eventually it gets chalked up to being Yeek's Fury, which is really bad. You know, it makes it makes uh, uh, chaos bag effects worse. It makes um, uh, story resolutions worse, like some different things um, kind of the outcome is different. So you kind of want to get as little as possible. And that's great and fine for enemies like the little snake that we were talking about earlier, the 313 guy, who it's like he's kind of like the basic uh ghoul minion here uh in the in the in the uh jungle he's got one vengeance if he hits you he you get poisoned it's like okay there is there's a lot of the mechanics that are introduced here right you've got poison and you've got uh you've got uh vengeance and also you've got like okay so i kind of want to dodge this guy and just kind of leave him here because there's nothing stopping me from doing that um rather than even though he's pretty easy to kill right like agnes you can kind of agnes ping him you can zoe ping him whatever um, but he's the only one, by the way, because everything else has like 5,000 health. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, you kind of approach it in a different way, which is cool. But then you realize ev- almost every other snake has Hunter. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't know. It's like it is. You're right. It is a way of sort of making like green characters and, and people that are good at evading be more useful. I don't think it's like a super awesome or exciting way to do that, but it does do that. What's up, Dan? You can't you can't shake the snakes, Dan. Can't can't shake the snakes. <laughs> I don't I don't want to I don't want to shake the snakes, Dan. I want to bake the snakes. You want to murder into a murder cake. the snakes. Well, that's snake cake. So that's what when they do when they do return to Age of the, the Forgotten Age, <laughs> it's going to have a subtitle. It's going to be called Return to Age of the Forgotten Age: colon, <laughs> uh, Snake Cake. And that's that's what it's going to be called on the box. Yeah. And then everybody so will look, be distributed Melteroni. Yeah, a strange solution. And and that sounds you'll disgusting. Just just like your adoptive Mexican mother used to make snake cake. Snake cake. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. so Yig's Fury. Um, I think overall, it I li- I really like the inclusion of it because I am very very fond of uh, victory. I'm very, very fond of of racking up experience, you know, delving too deep, right? Getting getting as many big, big items, or your, you know, upgrading your deck as much as possible through between scenarios. Um, and this kind of like functions as a well, I do get a victory, but I also get a vengeance, which will make life harder. And I really like that trade off. That sometimes, even on locations, uh, you can explore. You can there will be sometimes where you. Um, get all the clues off of them sure you get two victory but you also get two vengeance so you kind of have to weigh how well you're doing at that point like okay so maybe i don't want this victory because vengeance is probably pretty bad and we haven't gotten to the end yet we haven't even played um the the city of the archives yet um so we don't totally know how real how real of a threat this uh this vengeance really is so I'm excited to see where this goes. I think this is the one that I'm definitely the most positive about. I really like Vengeance a lot. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> like, okay. So kind of in 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 summary here, kind of like just to, to 
spread everything out. We've got so far uh, four scenarios that we've done, or five scenarios that we've done. We've done uh, the Untamed Wilds, Doom of Etsley, which are kind of like the introduction uh, to the jungle. Welcome to the jungle. Um, there are no fun and games here. It's all misery, <laughs> all poison, all snakes. Um, Doom of Etsley, which is kind of like the Indiana Jones um, temple run kind of a thing. And then you've got uh, Threads of Fate, which you kind of go back to uh, the Midnight Masks, sort of uh, running around Arkham, trying to f- find cultists and, and discover things. Uh, then you've got the Boundary Beyond again, which is like, I can't even describe to you what this is. <laughs> um, I Honestly, I only played it once, and it was like, there were just like snakes and like time bubbles and like, I was just so confused. <laughs> it's it's a cool idea. It has the time travel stuff going on. And yeah. Sort of like overlaying oh, yeah. different time periods. Very, very cool. This was the one where the exploration mechanic was kind of confusing. I mean, I, I think we're, you know, we have a pretty good understanding of the game. And I think the first two times I tried to play this scenario, we were doing it wrong somehow. Um, so Right. Well, this is the one I think the explore, uh, the explorer is a little different, right? Or is it not? Did we, I, did we think it was it, and then it wasn't at all? It, sort of. It, it sort of is and it sort of isn't. That's kind of the problem. But I don't know. It's yeah. it's fine, though. And then um, so and the one after that is Heart of the Elders, which yeah. this is the weird one where it's like two scenarios in a single mythos pack, which it's right. B- before we did it, I kind of figured like, oh, that's a neat idea. I assume that like a lot of stuff carries over between them and it's sort of like a cool, you know, two part thing. Having played it, it's really just two almost completely different scenarios that share some encounter cards. Um, yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah. I think that's my accurate. My guess for maybe how this was developed was they started with this idea of like, oh, isn't it cool how the mouth of a cave is sort of like the entrance to the cave and also like the exit? And we could have like one scenario where you're kind of like out around the mouth of the cave in the jungle and then you could go inside and you could flip the card and now you're down inside the cave and it's like okay that's a cool idea but what you Mm -hmm. end up with is two almost totally separate scenarios the only real difference is the first one has a bunch of ways to get vengeance and then in the second one there's kind of a lot of like punishments for having vengeance so yeah 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 well i think i think when we kind of see this 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 i think is is my favorite scenario here so far I did like Feds of Fate a lot, but so far I liked Heart of the Elders a lot just because of the fact – I think that this is kind of like the pivot point for this story. And like there definitely is that in, in Carcosa in the um, the asylum, right? Like there's there's – you get into the asylum and when you come out, you're not the same. <laughs> and I think that this kind of is going to be serving as that for, for the uh, – for this crazy forgotten land before age – um where okay i mean that that doesn't mean it's like fun or cool but yeah oh but it is fun and cool so like well okay so it is it is cool fun is uh it does it does say right here on subjective about this episode that it is cool i'm not sure i think you wrote that there because i probably didn't (laughs) i i said listener it says cool comma but two-part necessary (laughs) so so, okay, yeah, for me, for me, the reason why I wrote cool was because, so, two parts. What does that mean, Dan? That means more Arkham content. More <laughs> Arkham content for me, I'm happy. Okay, because so, that took normal, that took way longer than a normal scenario, like, right? I, I feel like we spent, like, maybe almost two hours, like, kind of what two scenarios would be-ish. It was, like, 1.6, maybe. <laughs> I mean, but, you could just play one part, but ha- more slowly. And but then you the don't have to pay for another deal. pack, Dan. This is like thirty dollars worth of Arkham content in one pack ish. Uh, I want to stress the ish. There's a quality thing as well as quantity going on, though. I think. But <laughs> sure. I mean, like, <laughs> so our our experience with the part two. I think I really enjoyed the part two because I love being in the cave. Um, the outside wasn't as necessary, but I mean, like, this is all just, like, specific to the scenario, and we can kind of talk about that at a later point or whatever. But the fact that you you had a Melteroni, uh, a.k.a. a Strange Solution, Acidic Icker, um, that you played a uh, an upgraded uh, cash on, which gives it more supplies. So you had seven uh, 
charges of of Meltaroni madness, and you used every single one of them. <laughs> and like, if not for that, we would have been totally boned. So I fast was I was like toting around enemies. a power sprayer filled up with that shit, just like blasting <laughs> yeah. it at everybody. It was great. It was like, awesome. Yeah. While I was running around getting clues, Dan or we were both running around getting clues. I think I was um, I was like mixing that shit up in the lab, like pancake batter. Oh yeah. And I was like, you know, grabbing a ladle. I was like tossing it around. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I I enjoyed that part of it mostly because right. it turned into like an action cave movie thing. Oh yeah, it's one of those classic uh, cave movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It was okay. It's fine. I think that the the one of these that I think I enjoyed most was Threads of Fate, um, which was also the one that involved very few of these mechanics and was <laughs> right. just kind of like right, a right. classic Arkham Horror scenario. Remember Midnight um, Masks? Well, we're back for a third run, and I'm fine <laughs> with that because I like Midnight Masks. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So and so, you know some of them were some of them were better than others. Um, so. And we haven't done City of Archives yet. Maybe that'll be interesting. It's kind of a cool idea. Uh, we'll see. Oh, man. We'll see how it works. There are investigator cards in here. Not just kind regular of. investigator cards, Dan. Alien monster investigator cards. Alien monster investigator cards. I'm very excited for this. Uh, I... Yeah, I'm very excited. So anyway... Um... That's kind of our wrap-up of, of The Forgotten Age so far. Uh, we kind of just wanted to talk everything about uh, story versus uh, execution and, and or, or intent versus execution and kind of all this stuff. Hopefully, um, it helped you think about it better. Questions? Comments? Email us at miskatonicuniversityradio at gmail.com. Let us know what your th- thoughts are about it. Um, and I and I do want to say really quickly. I mean, uh, we were probably like a little hard on the campaign so far, um, only because we really like this game and we played a lot. Um, we're definitely. I, I know I'm kind of optimistic that maybe the last few scenarios will be kind of cool. Like there's still time for it to sort of turn around a little bit. Um, I know you, you're excited about this next one. I'm kind of excited to see how it works out. So it might not be all that bad. Yeah, I, I think it's the the fact that they're trying a lot of different things um, is good for the game. I I'm excited because I know sneak peek. We checked out the new side campaign, uh the Egypt one that I can't remember the name of right now. The Slumber Party? Yeah, Slumber Party. Uh, yeah. Slumber Party in Egypt. Um yep. anybody who doesn't want the spoiler, tune out now. We won't we won't be mad. Spoiler is that the explore mechanic is back. So hopefully um, it might be done uh, in a less punishing manner. Um, you know, just jamming that thing full of uh, encounter cards and being like, well, hope you hope you pick the right place to go if there's only three places to go and the encounter deck is like 30 cards. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, and it, yeah. So and it's, and it's also what you were saying. Like, they can't just make Carcosa again. Like, they have to innovate. They have to try new things. This is yeah, like definitely yeah. kind of a tonal shift oh, for it's the very game. Different. Yeah. It's, it's good that they're doing that. And, uh, you know, even if we're not super happy with how it's turned out so far, like, I mean, I'm certainly still playing the game, still interested to see what comes next. So, you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening. And until next time, remember, chalk is the future. Chalk is the future and the present. Chalk is life. Uh, hashtag Chalk Life. Uh, hit me up. Hit me up. Tell me. Tell me about Chalk. Uh, and also send us pictures of you eating Chalk. Yeah, and, or uh, or just you and your your selective Chalk. All the teachers out there, please. The most memorable experiences you've had with Chalk. Mm, chalk. Chalk related experiences. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs>